personalizing the concept of Freemasonry, bringing that back into what we experience in Masonry today, that personalized aspect of Masonry has played a huge part of the role of the craft that we know and helped it develop into what we know it is today. We have an excellent episode for you tonight, this evening, and a special guest that's going to help us work through just that topic. So stick with us. We have a great episode for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects right here in Freemasonry. My name is Alex Powers. I'm your host and uh, past master of Gardner Lodge, current director of the Kansas Lodge Research. And we have with us this evening a very special guest, Brother Chad Kopinski. Uh, if you don't mind, my brother, I'll hand it over to you for more proper introductions. Sure. Before I introduce myself, I want to say something actually really nice to you. Um, sure. So Dave Merkel is a very good friend of mine. Yes. Um, he's like from a district over. And uh, you were so very kind to him and very good to him and Jason Richards and the Lodge of Amity for having them on here. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, he was nervous. Honestly, he was like messaging me throughout the entire thing. And I was messaging him because he was so nervous. But uh, I was so happy and impressed and absolutely just like it was touching what you were able to do for him and for Jason and for the lodge. And so thank you very much. I just want to make sure that I'm not sure to start off by saying that at least. So thank now, you, you, ask me? you ask me who I am. So. Uh, yeah. Who, who are you? <laughs> uh, my name is Chad Kopensky. I am um, a past master of Paramuthia 25 in Athens, Ohio, which is if Athens is kind of like a clock, it's sort of in the, here's Columbus, I'm kind of like at five o'clock. Um, I am a past district deputy and past district education officer of the 17th Masonic District. I am the immediate past chairman of um, the Grand Lodge of Ohio Education Committee. Um, and um, I'm currently the vice president of the Midwest Conference on Masonic Education. I probably should at least take this moment to, you know, put in the standard disclaimer that I'm sure we put in front of everything that anything I'm going to say tonight doesn't represent, you know, any of those August institutions who deign to have me as a member. It's just me, my opinions and, and my thoughts. So um, I think we've absolved everybody of, of everything. But um, so and I've been a Mason, let's see, 2000, 2010. So however long that is. Fantastic. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on this evening. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, be with here, be with us here to go through this topic. Uh, before we do dive in, I want to take an opportunity for everyone. To, first of all, thank you everyone for joining us here live. Uh, if you want to help support the show, I want to invite you guys to join our team here at Historical Light. We are viewer supported. Uh, I want to send a huge shout out to our current supporters over at Patreon, and you can join the team as well by going to historicallight.com support and uh, support to us monthly on Patreon. Patreon, help our show continue and grow stronger. Been here since 2016 and hope to keep that mission going. We also want to remind you guys, we have MasonicCon Kansas coming to Kansas for the first time in August. Uh, that is really, really pumping up, getting super excited about that. Have an amazing lineup of speakers for it. And uh, you can get your tickets now while they still last at MasonicConKansas.com. So really hoping you guys come out and see us. Like I said, excellent lineup. First time it's ever came to Kansas before, and we're really expecting a phenomenal event. So make sure you come out and see us. It's going to be a really, really fun event. So my brother, we always start off historical light by trying to get to know you a little bit better. And okay. we have a couple questions, kind of icebreakers that we go through with that. And the first one we really hit you with is, did you have family history in Freemasonry before yourself? I did not. Um, Interesting. Okay. I I grew up in a small town south of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, 
my connection to masonry was that um, I used to ride my bike around the Masonic Temple while my parents were next door at the bowling alley bowling. Um, I, um, it wasn't something that I really knew that much about until I moved um, down to Ohio. And um, so the, uh, in looking at my history now, um, there is long, long ago, the first governor of um, Georgia it was a, uh, Thomas Trutland. He's a distant relative. He's the only Mason I know of in my, my family. Other than that, I got nobody. But it's interesting because if you look at my family history and you look at kind of what my family espouses, it's amazing. There's some pretty Masonic values in there, even though they never took up the square encompasses. So. For sure. For sure. So seeing as you had no family history, what was it about Freemason? First, I mean, where did it really, you said you were riding through the parking lot and stuff, but what was it that really got into your mind that kind of drew you in and especially made you want to join this thing? There's a whole presentation I've, I've done on this. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, you should. Okay. So my transition um I went from my little small town. I went to school uh, in uh, Milwaukee and okay. um, I had a life there. I was a teacher. I was an actor. I, you know, did martial arts. Like it was saying, like there's a lot that I did. Um, and then I moved and then I met a girl and I moved to Ohio to take care of her family. And um, my transition was not really, it wasn't a good one. Mm. It was and really, this is one of these things I really have done like a whole presentation about that I got into a place where I was in a bad, a bad job, just a bad situation, just, you know, feeling incredibly disconnected from the life that I'd created. And um, when my wife told me that she was pregnant, I realized that I needed to start loving this part of the country, not just for, you know, my own happiness, but for the sake of my family, for my wife and for my daughter. I mean, it's not about me anymore. It's about creating a family. And family is all about connections. It's all about those. Um, I mean, that's what that's why guys join. Guys join Mason right. looking to connect. And um, as I was looking to connect, I honestly petitioned the Odd Fellows first, but they never got back to me. Really? Um, yeah, I petitioned twice. Um, but uh, I petitioned my local lodge. And the next thing I know, I mean, it, um, I, I went looking to connect to my little section of Ohio. And I found those connections I was looking for. I found those like-minded individuals. I found a way to use my talents in the service of others. I found a way to walk down the street and say, oh yeah, that that building's named after Edwin Chubb. We tell you about Edwin Chubb. His sword is sitting in the secretary's office because he, you know, lived here hundred years ago. Oh, this is Ohio University. Oh, hey, you know what? The first president and first three uh, graduates were members of my lodge. And I walked down this street, and I mean, all of a sudden, you feel connected to the land, to the area, to the people, and then all of a sudden, it. I didn't feel alone anymore. And I think that's one of the, again, I can talk about this forever, that our product in masonry is connections. And that's what we produce is meaningful right. connections. And then as a, all of a sudden, what I was looking for, I was able to create a life that was connected because those connections I found in masonry helped me to further connect to my wife, my daughter, my uh, my little compound where, you know, I have it's my little two acres with my dogs and cats and chickens and you know the the chickens. Yeah, we have. Oh God, we have a. Do you have chickens? By any chance? I, I do have chickens. Do you really? Uh, pandemic thing, but yeah, yeah, we, we ended okay. up with, they really, right on the other side like, of the world, actually. <laughs> seriously, on the side of the wall. Yeah, just now, right outside this question. I got to ask you: Was this was this like your choice? Like some people have chickens, you know. Some people choose chickens. Some have chickens thrust upon them. Which which were you? So, God, it's 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 funny. I, I'm an animal lover. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I fall for animals very, very easy. Always have. Uh, we used to live in Shawnee, Kansas, which is just a little bit closer to the KC Metro. And I wanted chickens when we lived there. And we had explored it. And then when I got with the city, they had really weird zoning issues where you had to reapply every single year. And it's like, ah, uh, it just didn't make it like worth it. So we held off. But then we moved out here to Gardner and you're allowed to have them, just no roosters, whatever. And we put it off until the pandemic and then everyone's getting chickens. So it's like, I don't know. And my wife is one that she loves animals as well until she has them. And then she's like tired of them really quick. And it just becomes me taking care of them. I know she's watching this. I'm throwing her under the bus, but it's the truth. She's putting oh. in the comments right now that she wants a llama. Luckily, we're not zoned for that. I want to. Here's the thing. Like, and I knew this too. Um, so I had chickens thrust upon me, which sounds awful. But I have a little daughter, and at the time, she was like, "We need chickens." And my mother-in-law and my aunt-in-law were like, well, "We'll get you chickens." And all of a sudden, they gave us six chickens. So of course, oh, man. right now, I'm building a coop. Um, and as I'm building the coop, I start looking at the local zoning laws, and they have an anti-rooster, like. Same here. Thing in the laws. The funny part is it really only applies to the way that my little village is zoned. Pretty much applies to one family. Um, you know, it pretty much was written just so that this one dude wouldn't have chickens. And um, luckily that dude wasn't me. But, uh, so, but we have all hens. But as I'm building this chicken coop, I remember building it, not cementing in the poles because mm -hmm. I was already planning for a life without chickens. Um, but I also knew that given just the attention span of everyone in my family, that eventually it would be me taking care of these chickens I didn't really want. So, yep. Now, here's the question. Did you try, did you use the egg thing with your wife? Is that how you can minister for chickens? <laughs> Like how did they, how did they... Yeah, that, that was that was a huge justification because like when the pandemic hit, right, like stores were bare, everyone's freaking out. And it, you know, we fell into that. Like, we need chickens. That's the only way we're going to survive. We need eggs. Uh -huh. So, yeah, right. that, that was a huge justifying factor. Right. Because then you're going to sell them, right? You're going to start selling these these cartons I, of eggs. That you're I don't know get, that we right? went that far. We just thought we were going to apparently survive off eggs. Here's the kicker. No one eats them now but me. My wife is terrified of them. She wants to go buy. We have store-bought eggs in the fridge right now, even though we are overflowing with personal eggs. Well, here's the other thing they don't tell you is that chickens kind of go through like, like phases. Yeah. Um, but I got to back up here a second. So here's how my wife got me, right? My wife said, sorry, those are the dogs behind me. I apologize. Yeah, um, it's not my stomach. I have eaten dinner. Um, the, anyway. My wife said, well, listen, you know, uh, chickens lay eggs. I'm like, okay, well, how many eggs per day do they lay? She said, well, on average, one chicken lays one egg per day. Mm. Like, okay, we got six chickens. I'm like, that's six eggs a day. So even if one is an off day, you're looking at 36 eggs. Uh, that's three dozen eggs uh, a week. And I remember thinking, how many recipes do I know <clears throat> using eggs? Like, what can I make with them that I know now? And what am I going to have to right. learn to do with 36 flipping eggs? You know, now my hens did really well for about, I don't know, like a year. And then they stopped laying eggs. And now we start buying store-bought eggs. And I'm like, girls, I like, got to earn your keep here. I mean, right. at this point, you're just, you're, you're, you're costing me things. So um anyway but yeah that's how my wife got me um so that's if, awesome so she, now we, ahead, we do have the the topic lined up tonight for reviving the concept of personalized base right i don't want you guys to think we're going to talk about chickens the whole time but i i do got to bring up because i, I want to now you you got your chickens when they were full size right uh the or first were they round, chicks the first round we got first round sized um we had a all right um my chickens ended up becoming sort of this neighborhood thing. Um, I live in this like two acre section of my little town and um, we just kind of let them out to run around the yard because right. you know, free range. Free range, you got to. Right. I was afraid they'd go on the road. They really don't. And, I, and we right. have 
we have outdoor cats and groundhogs and and things and whatever. Um, they don't really bug the chickens that much, which surprises me. But anyway, um, so the first round we got were full sized and they were great. And our neighbors would come out and like watch the chickens as they ran through the yard. It was a, it became a social thing. Uh, a neighborhood dog got loose and came and uh, took out our chickens uh, one day. So we came home to like, you know, one left. And so the next ones we got were were chicks and we raised them from, you know, eggs up to full. Grain. And now we have, you know, we, we are five now. And, uh, you got five now? Yeah. So, yeah, we won't go through this whole time talking about chickens. We'll switch over to the topic here in a second. But okay. I, I want to... I want to bring up a funny story about when we got our chickens because okay. we we got them as, as chicks, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was Tractor Supply up here. They always get you with the chick days, right? So we end up with six Leghorns, the uh, the little the white ones. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't we didn't have a coop or anything, right? We we just brought them home. So we're raising our chicks in the house, and we've got like this this I don't. Know, I'm trying to remember it was like it was a home decor thing it wasn't meant for it but it was like a box that the yeah. previous owner had just left here it looked like an old like coca-cola style crate that you know we used to stand up and we'd have like, like the a light in it. on it exactly that, right that, that's funny. so we just kind of we're like yeah well we don't really want it and we just kind of made it into a chick bed and it worked great um but the chicks grow like quite fast and i was going through uh the instructor deal for masonic legacy society and obviously yeah. it's very into the contemplative side yeah. and all this so we, we did yeah. all of our uh, mm -hmm. our training on the meditation and whatnot and then we had switched over to the portion of where we are taking over the class and we're mm -hmm. doing the meditation ourselves. and right in the middle of doing this meditation the chicks had not only discovered how to get out of this crate they were living in, um, but they discovered they could now hop up the stairs. So while I'm doing a meditation, I start hearing the tweets and the tweets are getting louder and louder and closer. And I'm like meditating, trying to keep eyes. And right, I'm like, trying to keep centered. I right. got chickens coming up the stairs. I'm like, oh, crap. And then the dogs see. So you got dogs right. running through the background and then the chicks start half flying and everyone there, uh, Juan Sepulveda, everyone was just making fun of me because I've got oh, a barnyard going off in my house. <laughs> it was like RJ and Scott, were those guys there too? Um, RJ, I think, was there that day. Juan Sepulveda, uh, Broody was there. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great group to just totally embarrass myself with barnyard uh, fun. You, you know, and if you're going to, listen, if you're going to fall down, falling down in front of those guys is, you know, about the worst thing you could do let's be honest i mean because you'll never hear the end of it um, exactly ever so here's you said you got five though yeah um what here's the thing the two things that didn't really tell me about chickens because i you know they're weird creatures right they're like they just are. this yeah. side of like prehistoric like if they were <laughs> if if they ever if they ever evolved to having a talent intelligence to the point that they could organize or returned back to their prehistoric state where they were like six feet tall, we would not be the dominant species on this planet. I'm telling you this right now. And here's why I know this. One, um, when we have Thanksgiving um, or like Easter and we'll cook like a turkey or a, you know, a chicken, we'll throw the carcass into the- Or, um, or a chicken. <laughs> That's great. Dude, these things will clean a turkey carcass in seconds oh, yeah. it's like what it's like watching a, like a national geographic special it's disturbing but it's fascinating i mean but it like they will it's insane and then of course you get the eggs next day and you feel really guilty like you've done something thoroughly like moth and wrong the yeah. other is that um i pulled in my driveway they're doing free range stuff they've kind of gotten used to that when humans are around that someone's going to feed them um they're starting to learn basic like group tactics, they bum rush my car. And so when I pull into the driveway, it really, it's like out of New Jack City or West Side Story or something. I've got like two chickens outside this door, two chickens outside this door, and one who's up on the, the hood. And I, you know, it's just this shy of him, you know, going, you know, 
Warriors, come on. I mean, it's it's that really. If they ever fully evolve and organize, we're screwed. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, and they're just funny to watch. They're just weird. Oh, they're hilarious. They're hilarious. Do you like? Yeah, yours they'll, they'll tear no. up anything. Do what now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you let yours run around or no? We do. Uh, they're they stay in the cage most of the time. Uh, like some weeknights if it's nice weekends i try to let them have plenty of free range time that way um we've got a new little dog now like we have we have two big golden retrievers mm -hmm. they're fine they don't mind them at all we got this little shih tzu and she likes to chase them and they are just terrified of her uh so it's been a little more of a struggle it's like i'll let the chickens out and i tell the girls i'm like nobody let the dogs out chickens are out five seconds later i hear just you know chaos in the backyard and yeah so we have uh we have inside cats and outside cats. And there's, a, and there's a cat who lives on our porch. His name is Frankie. And really this morning, and I walking in after work, I wanted I wanted to video it because it's, it's the funniest thing I've seen in the longest time. Uh, Frankie took a swipe at one of like the big, like, because, you know, they have, there really is such a thing as a pecking order. And they have like the big mama chicken. She uh, was walking up towards the porch to eat the cat food that was up there. Frankie took a swipe at her. And I have never seen a chicken give like teacher look before, but really kind of went and stared down the cat and like the cat ran. And later on, like a few minutes later, uh, Frankie was up on top of like the cat house on the porch and the cat was eating his, his food. And I was like, our cat's broken or like, you know, I don't know. I, I drink, I drink your milkshake, like something like there just was, this this anyway uh but so the dogs the dogs are okay with the chickens like no one messes with them yeah no uh just just a little dog she's a little uh uh well she's she's a punk she likes to chase them around she doesn't hurt them she or likes anything, the, the yeah they're terrifying with the, like the the fuss and feathers and everything yeah and so I got, I got to ask you because yeah. we were talking in the, uh, in the green room and it'd come up how I over-engineer everything. And, and <laughs> this is one of those situations. Um, did your chicken setup cost you an arm and a leg? Uh, initially or eventually? Oh man. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very valid question. I'm gonna go with initially for now. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I'm going to digress here for a second. So bear with me. I live in a house that was, um, the previous owner was, is a Pearl Harbor survivor and he is of strong Appalachian stock in that he is, he was ridiculously clever and ridiculously cheap. And so mm. everything in my house, regardless of what it is, um, is immediately a hundred extra dollars and an extra trip to Lowe's or Menards or wherever. Okay. I think there's something in the walls that has inspired me to try to be incredibly clever. Yeah. And what usually ends up happening is, yeah. So I decided to try to build it out of just like treated, treated lumber and like sure. chicken wire to make an enclosure. And then I decided to, go to like the local restore and buy just a cabinet and some sheet metal. And I put together a little hutch for them. Right. And uh, that worked out fine. Um, for like the first six months or so. Um, did your wife worry about the chickens getting cold at all? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> chickens and they have feathers and it's like sleeping in a down sleeping bag right right yeah my loving wife god bless her with her huge heart and this is one of the reasons why i love her because she likes stray animals <laughs> she was worried about them being cold so she put a little heating element in this makeshift chicken coop that uh, i built I swear to god man it set it on fire Oh, and no. so, yeah, we were we were up in Wisconsin for Christmas, and we get a phone call from the person watching our house saying, um, so the chicken coop burned down, and the chickens were, like, running around the yard. And, and At of least course, they got out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
or you know we could have come home to a cooked christmas dinner i guess like i mean yeah we, that's that's true uh cajun style. long enough and you could have been jerky or something i don't know but uh talking about bringing them inside so down in the basement again this is this is an old house they have one of those rooms that has like hooks on the ceiling and a and a drain in the floor which I call the murder room, but is one of those rooms that exists in old homes where they would like hang. You make this sound like it's in every house. You know, the hooks on the ceiling. <laughs> it's not in every house. Uh, okay, hold on. I, I was told that <laughs> almost every single house has one of these like rooms that has, it was, like it's where people, old ho- homes do, right? To like hang meat or hang like, like roots and I, things. I'm to, sure this... towards the Appalachian Mountains, it's probably more common. Maybe this is, not, this is bugging me now. I, I feel yeah, like that should have been disclosed on your uh, real estate contract. Well, yeah, they told us it was like a. Um, <laughs> I think they I think it's listed as a shower or something, but it really you don't have the stone room with a drain in the floor and the hooks on the ceiling. No, not here. Okay, so we have a murder room. <laughs> um, right on. Um, but the murder room made a great place. Because it was winter, like it was December when uh, this happened, we moved the chickens inside into the into the murder room, and uh, let them kind of run around in there until things warmed up enough, and that I could actually get out there. And then we built. Then instead of you know me being clever, my wife insisted we buy one of those like store bought coops from um, Tractor Supply, which are two hundred three hundred dollars. Yeah, right. And we got one of those, and. Uh, yeah. Um, and that there lasted about a year until it got wet and kind of melted away. And so we got another one this time from Amazon for $200 that I put together and is fine. Oh. So initially, no. Um, eventually, yeah. I These things are expensive for they are. what I could be paying for eggs. Uh and you can sit there and tell me it's an investment, you know, that I'm going to get eggs and eventually I'm going to get soup but, or and nuggets. But right, yeah, I, those are pretty expensive nuggets, man. So I'm telling well, you. we've been harping on about chickens for way too long. Now. We've got Brad so Drew sorry. on here. Uh, let's see if I can throw it up. We got Brad on here saying, so what about that masonry stuff? Brad, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're going to get to the masonry stuff. Just totally. totally. I feel like Brad I've got Drew? to tell you. Yeah. Who's that guy? We're, we're, let's ban him. Ban him. Brad Drew. So. Tell me about Brad. No, no. Uh, okay. There well, are certain stories. There are certain stories about Brad Drew that aren't mine to tell. So I, uh, I will. You can tell. Well, I, I do want to tell you about my unfortunate story just real quick, and then sure, we'll definitely totally. get over to this topic. Yeah, about yeah, personalized yeah, masonry. yeah. So I unfortunately uh, googled stuff because I over-engineer everything. Actually, Robert Johnson, who you guys may know from another podcast, uh, he is I <laughs> he was all like, dude, this is way too generous because I pushed it off on him. I'm more like, get this out of my house. We used to have snakes uh, back in the day. My wife. Yeah, I know. Another thing my wife talked me into that then she lost interest in. Uh, there were corn snake snakes, eggs, man. Uh, right. <laughs> so we, we had these snakes and they were just in a 10 gallon tank. And I'm like, ah, I felt horrible for them. So I wanted to build them a new one. Well, I wanted to buy them a new one. Went to the pet store and these wood ones were super expensive. So I'm like, I can do that probably for half the price. Well, like 1200 bucks later, uh, I went to town on this thing. I had a custom rock wall that I built out of plaster and then covered it in concrete and painted it. It had a uh, thermosat system in it. So if it got a degree too cold, it would kick on an extra hot light. And then if it got a degree too hot, it would kick off the extra hot light and it had a vent system with a computer fan to the side. So you get full on, I mean, to a half degree temperature accuracy within this thing at all times. But then when snakes, you also have to worry about humidity, right? So I also bought a little uh, deal from, I don't know, somewhere in Japan or whatever. So it's in the whole wrong metric system and everything. Uh, But it would do the humidity. Yeah, everything. But it, it was clever. As long as you learn the, uh, you know, how to calculate it out, it, it worked fine. Uh, but this thing would That's calculate out the uh, uh, the humidity system. It would actually, oh, it would like fog the water in their water dish to make more humidity inside there. So it would calculate that. And I mean, this thing just handled itself. Uh, well, long story short, uh, one of the snakes died, and then we moved here, and my wife all of a sudden didn't want it upstairs, so we put it downstairs. 
had a really cold winter and the breaker for the or the GFI outlet downstairs yeah. popped and that snake did not make it through the night, unfortunately. So then we had this like overdone $1,200 super invested that I almost killed my family on because we built this at the old house. And when I built it, I'm like, ah, this has got to be smoother. So I bonded it upstairs with the window open inside yeah we quickly had to leave the house and get a hotel for the evening but so i pushed that thing off on rj so then when i'm building this chicken coop i came across um you may have heard of them uh carolina coops yeah yeah the- okay so dude was a lifesaver um, but he also cost me a ton of money uh, he has some amazing coops that he builds and i ended up watching like i don't know I don't know how many videos he has. I'll say a thousand because I watched him 10, 20 times each. Okay. Uh, but he, he had all these really great points about, you know, don't buy the store-bought coops for this reason, that reason, size, health, all this. I'm like, great point, great point. So I probably watched these videos 15 times each. And I'm like sitting there, okay, this board has to be four feet, six inches. And I'm like, I'm making out schematics to like build this coop off of watching his YouTube videos because I was too cheap to actually buy his coop. I'm like, that costs too much. I can build this thing cheaper, right? So we build it uh, off of these homemade at the moment schematics, uh, probably spent over double of what it would have cost to just bring him out here and bring us one. And then of course I had to go geeky and make it a smart coop as well. Uh, so this coupe has two PTZ cameras in it <laughs> that I can access so from my phone. When, when you're in New Mexico, you know, or exactly. in the salt flats of Utah, you can see what your chickens are doing. I, I can always see what my chickens are doing. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you didn't get the whole like automatic egg collection and it would like, you know, weigh them automatically so, track like through an no. Excel spreadsheet, you know, the yield and all that stuff. You know what I thought about doing? Because it literally is right on the other side of this wall. Like the power goes through the bottom side there to a box on the outside and feeds it. Um, When winter came along and I realized that, man, I did not want to go out there every day and open and close their door and have to collect the eggs. I spent more money and I put a temperature system because we use uh, smart things as the hub in this house and everything goes off a Z-Wave. So it's got its own router uh, that runs the coop and it's got a Z-Wave system. So I've got a Z-Way temperature deal out there and <laughs> it controls the water, which we'll get to in a second. But then I, I, I watched some other How videies. How much these guys. is a carton of eggs? Way cheaper yeah. than anything. I, these are golden eggs, man. I hooked up a linear actuator like they use in hospital beds. Yeah, yeah. And I saw a video where a guy put this on the door and actually just up and down with the chicken door. And I'm thinking, well, that's just because these things have like a 450 pound strength weight, uh, like rating on them. I'm like, that's a guillotine waiting to happen with one stupid chicken sticks his head out. So instead I got smart and I I put the uh, linear actuator to the side and made a pulley system. So it just pulls the pulley for me essentially. Um, But then I hooked that up to a Z-Wave smart switch so I can either manually do it from the phone or set it on a timer for, you know, dawn dusk type thing. Well then, so we've got PTZ cameras, we've got the automated opening and closing door. And I'm like, man, what about the water? Cause the water is going to freeze in the winter. So then we've got this 50 gallon reservoir rain barrel out there. Right. And it feeds down to a water bar. They can peck at all great, except for winter. I've actually thinking about freeze. doing that. It's fantastic. You should. What we did is we got one of the, uh, like the trough heaters and this thing is temperature regulated itself. It's got, it's got its own little deal in it, um, which is nice. So it doesn't like boil the water. Right. But then I've got a circulation pump on one end of the, uh, the little water bar and the heater in there. And it all goes back to another Z wave switch, um, that is set for any time it gets to a certain temperature. Like I think I got it five degrees above freezing to give the heater a time. Uh, it'll kick on that heater and it'll kick on that pump. So it heats the water and then circulates it through that water bar. So you got constantly warm water going through there and it'll never freeze. So the only thing I have to go outside now, Oh, and we've got the, uh, the grandfather's feeder, so they hop up on it and it opens and it holds a 50 pound bag of food. So See, I only got to feed them once a month. They got 50 gallons of water. All I do 
egg collection is the only thing that ties me to that coop. <laughs> See, this is how I can tell that like you are a man of like letters and sciences. Cause you know, I, I went to a Jesuit school and was a theater education major. So I can build something that lasts for like three weeks and then falls apart. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, and also I'm in Appalachia. Like when I was digging the holes for my coop, um, I found that the power supply from my house out to the garage yeah. was one of those white extension cords that, oh God. that the dude who owned my house had just buried under the driveway. Yep. And, and, and it I happens hit it. A lot. I'm like, yeah, I just retaped it and put it down. Yeah. I <laughs> want it put it down. It's kind of like asbestos. Like if you mess it, it's just going to cause more trouble. It's better just to like patch it and just put it back wherever it's going to be. Didn't see that. Right. <laughs> Code zoning. Listen, it's been down there for 40 years, 50 years. Who cares at this point? It's fine. So I am thinking about the whole drum thing because now the what I have to rely on to feed and water and kick the egg, pick up the eggs is a 13-year-old girl. Right. And those are not reliable systems. Um, so I end up doing a lot more feeding, watering, and taking care of those chickens than any man really, really, you know, should should have to. But I have to say, they are pretty entertaining. They really are. Oh, they um, are. They are. They, they're just dang funny. They just, just are. Um, I'm glad you didn't go with the whole, like, PVC coop. One of my neighbors said that, like, built the PVC coop. We could, like, walk it around the yard. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd seen stuff like that. And I don't know, I just I got so into uh, this Carolina Coops deal. And he had some really great points on his videos. Um, you know, just going through these reasons of why store bought coops are not a good idea. And then you go and see him. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that I can justify that. Um, the other big thing he and I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm still going on about chickens. Yeah, we probably at some let's point switch over chicken. here in just a second. Yeah. But uh, one of the big things he he brought up was a, a predator apron and you know we get a lot of coyotes uh, even more foxes like right across from the house over that direction we got this greenway park I and tons of that. go well, you first i got something i gotta think about foxes go ahead. okay definitely so i mean summertime stuff you open our back door on our porch and you can hear all the foxes and stuff yipping uh about the time we were building this coop uh they started to move into the neighborhood i mean they're right across the street anyways but three or four houses up, they actually made like a nest in these guys uh, bush. So we'd start, I mean, we'd see them around the, around the houses in the neighborhood all day, every day. I'm like, our chickens are going to die. Yeah. Uh, so he had this really great idea. Um, some people will put, you know, mesh on the inside and stuff. He actually does four feet of like construction style mesh out from the, uh, from the coop. So his thing was you you attach it to the coop really nice and well, but it's thorough, like construction style mesh. So if a fox or a coyote goes up, they want to dig right at the base to dig under it. They're never going to think to go past four feet out to start digging. Right. They're just going to move around and around and eventually give up. And we haven't had any issues, but it's, you know, so far worked great. See, and I'd be the dumb person who put that in and then try to electrify it. And then just like bad <laughs> things would happen to anybody who came to I visit. I love that idea. Right. Um, you know, or yeah. Um, so foxes. Okay. So yeah. there's a lot of these little like outbuildings on my compound. And in one of the buildings uh, during the summer, all of a sudden we saw little like fox pups. So we put up like the trail cam and got like the pictures of them. And they really are just ridiculously cute. But yeah, we started getting worried about the, the chickens. And at lodge one night, one of my brothers, uh, or one of the brothers in my lodge um, has one of those like pest animal removal businesses. Um, and he right. says his two biggest things he takes care of are like bats and foxes. And he said that foxes I couldn't do the bats. Are, what? I could not do the bats. I don't know, bats are you, cool. Do you get a lot of bats out where you're at? No. I know a story about <laughs> bats too, but that's a whole other thing. Um, growing up, we had a cabin in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And when, when you would walk into the cabin and you'd look up at the front door, all you would see were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bats like up there in the roof. And it was awesome because um, uh, never got a mosquito bite in that cabin ever. And then of course, if you're like, you know, if you were sleeping, you just kind of heard when you were sleeping, you just oh, didn't Lord. open your eyes or look back to foxes. Foxes are predators of opportunity. 
Indeed. So um, we were worried about them going after our chickens. And as my wife and I are kind of like out there, you know, consulting on the spot, talking about these foxes and talking to my buddy, all of a sudden we heard coyotes uh, in oh, like no. the field next to us. And as we're talking to you know my brother, he says that foxes sit there and they like weigh things out. What are they most scared of, right? Are they more scared of humans or are they more scared of coyotes? What's the, you know, what's the math there? That they aren't, they weren't going to go after the chickens because there wasn't an opportunity. They weren't hungry. Like there was ample like field mice and food around, but that they had, that they had done the math that, you know, we can live here and the humans won't bother us and the coyotes won't bother us. And my wife's like, my, my wife liked being part of that equation. She liked the fact, I mean, you know, like, oh, because foxes come back usually year after year. Right. Um, if they find a good, safe place. And we already have these groundhogs that live pretty much in the same building. But, like, um, yeah, they never touched our, they never uh, touched the uh, chickens. Rats did. Like, we get rats. Really? Yeah. Um, and that we've had to, like, find a, a way to, you know, put the food up or, you know, but I've come right. out uh, in the mornings and I've seen like, you know, rats sitting on top of the coop. Oh like, Lord. Oh, you know, um, and Luckily, we haven't dealt with that in the coop. That That's one thing that I saw a ton of videos on. Everyone's like, you're going to get mice in the coop. Uh, you know, chickens will kill most of them. I've had zero issues in the coop so far that thing, you know, knock on wood now, but nothing in the coop so far. Well, and we, we also have these outdoor cats and I figured the cats have to earn their keep at some point. So oh, they better keep the mouse out of the house and out of the chicken coop. But you know, um, so I'm sorry, what were we talking about? I, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> well, re reviving the concept of personalized masonry is the topic that we're on for this evening. Gotcha. Right. Um, so, but wait a minute, I want to ask you something real quick. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You you have kids though, right? Like you. Yeah, yeah. I have two daughters, teenagers, sixteen and going on thirteen. And how long have you had chickens? A couple years. Second year now. Okay. Do your chickens? My chickens followed my daughter around the yard, and they like. Um, if she sat down on a swing, they would like hop into her lap, or they'd hop on the swing next to her, like they I don't know I, it, they became domesticated or they thought they like they actually forged a relationship with her and her with them is that they they would like to um I mean they're like that with me if I go down there sit down your daughter really just hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean no they they, they, they hate me oh yeah for some you know life uh but it's like no, like the the chickens. I mean, really, what it comes down to is they just want treats. If you if you don't have treats, I care less about oh, you. Oh yeah, but totally. I'll, I'll right. go sit down. Yeah, they'll come over to me. They will want to hop up on my lap. This um, is why they mug me when I come home. Like really, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So my my oldest one, uh, she's good with them. She's not like super into them, so she doesn't go out there a lot. Uh, my youngest one started out like when they were chicks, she was a fat, like infatuated with them. She was always down there, just motherly to them. As soon as they got to the point they could chase her. Now she's like deathly afraid of them. I don't get it. I'm like, they're not going to do anything to you, but she won't go out there. She's terrified. Well, we talked about them being kind of these prehistoric scary. They are pretty, I mean, they do nip at your heels. Oh yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. I do have to tell you this really awful story. And I think, and then really we'll get to the we'll get to the, the meat here. Yeah, we um, we really better. So um I before I worked where I work now, I worked at another school. And that school was kind of known for its natural resources programs. And so they're always just kind of like animals around. Um and one day somebody dumped off a chick, like a baby chick in and um the school had like a a wild animal preserve like snakes and raptors and things. And they didn't quite know what to do with this chick. And I said, well, I got chickens. Yeah, I'll take it. And really just a teeny little thing. Right. Gave it to my mother-in-law. God bless her. 
like she raised this thing for like seven, eight weeks. So it could get like pretty big because we had read that, you know, um, full grown chickens and baby chicks don't mix. Like you, like, yes, you can't do that. Right. Right. And so we, we were helping my mother-in-law and we're trying to like, you know, get this chick to a size that we could get this baby chick in with like the chickens. Um, and this is the most pampered baby chick I've been saying. So finally we're like, okay, according to all these metrics, this chick is now strong enough, big enough to put in with the other chickens. We put that baby chick in there. And it was, at this point it was almost full grown, like right. 0.75 full grown within two minutes. The other chickens had like pecked it to death, started eating it. Like, oh no, it, it was an ex chicken within about and you know, like three minutes. And right, they're like a uh, ridiculous amount of guilt, of course, because you're like, you know, maybe we just waited another day or two or three, or but it was also a little weird to watch because it like that, it was that quick. That they right. just turn on that thing. So this is why your daughter should be scared. And like I said, yeah. if they if they ever organized or ever reverted back to their six foot tall, you know, ridiculous stature, we would not be the dominant species on this planet. So. Well, you know, she did. She did have a rather traumatizing experience, and this is like legit sad. Okay. So uh... unlike my dead chicken. We like I pecked to death within two minutes. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to like totally knock that out. That that's sad. No, it's too. okay. That's actually so. <laughs> so uh, you know, we we ended up at the uh, and I think they do this to us on purpose, right? We we end up back at the uh, the feed store to you know get chicken feed and supplies and all this, and they've yeah. they've got chick days going on again, and uh, they sometimes these First chicks are just not. Eye, then it's, it's yeah, yeah. Now it's going to be chick days. Okay. Well. Some of these chicks like aren't kept, I guess, in the best circumstances. And if you've seen like the the uh, the videos of how they load these, it's like insane. I mean, they're just shooting them into a box. Uh, so there's this one chick that's just like not doing well, and we're sitting there feeling bad for it. So we talk to the people, and they're like, "Well, yeah, it's it's gonna die." Basically, they just gave it to us straight. My daughters, you know, both tearing up. They're like, "Look, yeah, if you want to take it and try to nurse it back." By all means, and they just gave it to us. They put it in, put it in a box, gave it to us. We came home where I, you know, I'd had that conversation. Like, look, it probably not going to end well. We'll do everything we can. That chicken lasted one hour, and she's sitting there like doing everything. She's trying to get it to take a little bit of water off of a dropper, and I swear to God, like a movie, you see it take, a, and it's just gone. I'm like, oh shit, did that really just happen? So naturally, somehow we end up back at the chicken store and uh, then they notice how sad they were about losing a baby chick. And there's all these other baby chicks there and they're different colors than the ones we have. So our six chickens turned into 10 chickens that we now have that then we had to, of course, raise inside again, because like you said, you can't put babies with adult ones. No. And we repeated that entire uh, fiasco that happened the first time, another time, this time in a dog kennel, uh, but no, no better. So when the time comes for them to become nuggets and soup and cacciatore, like, are you going to, this is really awful. Are you going to outsource this or are you going to like teach your daughters a lesson oh, about the circle of life? You know, I don't know. Like we, we've had that conversation Um Cause so many people around here, you know, they're just gardeners, like the edge of the suburbs, I guess, like okay. past us is just Kansas. We're kind of the very tip of what you could consider Casey Metro. Okay. Um, so you get the best of both worlds here, but most guys go buy the chickens for meat. Like they're, they're not backyard chickens like ours. And I've, I've had that um, conversation because backyard obviously chickens for us, like ours, by the way, sounds like it should be the name of like a Bonnie bar, <laughs> Bonnie bar or buying an ivory album. Like that really sounds like it should be a, it's going to be a cover album band you now. can buy on, you know, PBS or something. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, there, ours are definitely pets. So like it, it's a different concept. I, I'm just kind of dreading the day of when one of them gets sick. And there, there's been a few times like uh, right before winter hit, 
they looked horrible. And I'm like, all our chickens are going to die. I didn't know if they were like had lice or mites or whatever, but they're just balding everywhere. They looked awful. Um, turns out because I uh, inspected them very closely, couldn't find mites or anything on them. They had just got used to eating each other's feathers. So they were there. They were like really just plucking the feathers off of each other and eating them for, they said it was possibly like a calcium deficiency. Well, that's why you're supposed to take the eggshells every day and like put them back in the, you're supposed to take the scraps. Like uh, this is a learning experience. I haven't done that. I haven't done that. So Luckily, uh, with winter time, they kind of like, oh, it's cold. Uh, we just got in the uh, comments. Uh, Brother Gelling said, molting. That, that's what I thought at first. And then it kept getting worse. My chickens were like basically freaking bald. Um, and we had talked to the vet about it. And they're like, no, they're they're eating each other's feathers. And then I caught them doing I'd go out there and watch them or watch them on the camera. And I catch them doing They're just plucking the feathers out of each other. Um, luckily, when it got cold enough, they figured this ain't working (laughs) and they stopped and now they all look great. But yeah, I I thought they were diseased for a while there, but luckily have not had that issue yet. Definitely not looking forward to the day that, you know, one of them gets sick or whatever. And I don't know. I don't want to play that by ear. My best friend is a Mason. He, he's a farmer locally and um, he's starting to kind of get out of the business. Um, During the pandemic, both he and um, another guy who's now the master of my home lodge decided to go in the chicken business as well. And Brad like bought, you know, like 50 chickens and, you know, towards the end of the pandemic, he just butchered them and really like made them all into soup. My, the guy who was master of my lodge, he and his wife decided to, to invest in a business and like got 300 chickens. Oh, you wow. Know? And it's just like him and his wife and their three kids. And they don't, you know, what do you what that's what's a lot to take things? on right and again me doing the math I'm like okay so that's going to be probably what 250 minimum eggs a day mcdonald's isn't going to buy that many eggs and you know there's not that many farmers markets you can take those two before those things go bad so um right so uh i'd heard rumors that you know what one of the one of them wanted to do was almost have like a you know, a butchering party, you know, like bring all the buddies over, get a keg of beer. And we're all just going to like, you know, first we're going to get all the feathers off of them and then we're going to butcher them. And then we're going to like, you know, clean them and package them. And uh, right. uh, I imagine there's places you could do that. I also imagine that that would just be how they film horror movies. But yeah, so I, uh, I don't have a I'm sorry. I'm sitting here looking at the time and I, I'm, I'm so like, sorry. <laughs> we have gone so far over uh, talking about chickens, but you know, the funny thing is we're sitting here talking about chickens and uh brother Gellion that just spoke up a minute ago, uh, popped up here and says, I'm a chicken farmer. And I'm like, Dude. you know, wh- how, what's the odds? I don't know, but that's <laughs> amazing. And I need to pick his brain for an end of life plan for my chickens. So hundred um, percent. If he, We'll make sure to get his From contact him, info. Get my contact. Um, sorry, this is Dottie, who's a cat, and she decided to say hello. So, um, how old's Dottie? How old's Dottie? Yeah, we got to know. Dottie, Dottie, Dottie's a story, dude. Everything's a story. Um, I was on my way out to Amesville 278 to visit, and uh, I was driving my. I used to drive a Prius, and uh, it was called the Prius of Death, because you know, because <laughs> Priuses should be intimidating. And I pulled over the side of the road because there's something like hanging down off the Prius. And I pulled off in one of those like, you know, like parking rides. And I'm underneath the Prius kind of like putting the bumper back up. And then out of the grass comes this little black kitten who walks right over to me, walks right up onto my chest, curls up and falls asleep. No way. Totally. And I'm like, and really, I was like, what the hell is this? And so I called my wife. I'm like, cat and that's how we got dotty and i, I went to lodge awesome. and uh we, they had their pancake breakfast and were preparing for inspection that kind of thing and they came and got her and yeah she's been a phenomenal cat she actually disappeared for about a month last year really and we didn't yeah we didn't know where she was and um all of a sudden she just kind of showed up and uh yeah it was a sorry you know this it's like when you have animals they're yeah. they're family and no, i totally get it you, you don't think you're going to get emotionally connected to these 
things. I never thought I'd like cats or chickens because I was like, I grew up with dogs. But yeah, I mean, the, the, something happens to the chickens or the cats or the, the dogs, like it, it, it hurts. So you're, like you're saying you're into animals. I wouldn't have, I mean, we've only been talking about an hour now. I, I wouldn't have never guessed. Um, humans and animals belong together. You know, we're all connected. Like it's all about, it's all about connections. It really is. It all comes. It is dangerous in this day and age to feel disconnected. Um, mm. And it's those connections that, yeah. that sustain us, that define us, that inspire us and move us forward. I mean, whether it's animals or connections or to dead authors or to whatever, it's those connections that, that are incredibly meaningful. Um, and I mean, a life without connections is not really a life worth having or living. So of course, people, animals, you know, the more connections you have, the richer your life is. I think you'd agree with that. I couldn't agree more with you on that. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 well, yeah, we, we definitely need to bridge into our topic here. Um, okay. but before we do, I wanted yeah. to mention, cause you're talking about your cat there and how she disappeared for a little while. Yeah. It was making you remember, uh, just before the pandemic, we had RJ Johnson and his, uh, his family come stay with us for a weekend. And, uh, the funny thing was, well, not funny. I think we almost killed them all. Apparently his entire family is like deathly ill to cats. And I don't think oh. they realized we had a cat. So yeah, they were like in not a good way the whole time they're hanging out with us. RJ's like, <laughs> you know, he didn't look good, but our cat like disappeared and I, she's weird around people. So Those I'm like, are. yeah, I'm like, ah, whatever. She's just hiding. Well, they're here two, three days and then they leave and I'm like, okay, I better go find her. Let's make sure she's eating and all that. I'm looking everywhere, everywhere. Can't find her anywhere. Um, just so happened, I, she's pretty good at hiding. So I'm like, she's got to be here somewhere. I just so happened to flip on our uh, security camera system. And just, I mean, it was the same night RJ got here. Uh, there's just like a blip of her sitting on the front step. And I'm like, oh, how she's not an outdoor cat. Like she shouldn't have got out. So I'm like, why is she out there? Well, our cameras are motion detected and cats jump extremely fast. So instead of seeing which which direction she went, she was sitting there and it's gone. And I'm like, Ghost okay, cat. great. Well, that was that was two days ago. Wonderful. So I sat on their front step and I'm bumming out because you know that that cat she was originally a stray as a kitten and we brought her in. I was very emotionally attached. I'm sitting out on the front step bumming out. And then all of a sudden, uh, my wife's talking to me and I'm like, it's just messing with me, man. I can hear her meowing. And then I, she's like, no, no, no. I actually hear something. And she was living in the neighbor's front bushes. She'd gained a few pounds uh, eating trash and stuff, but, <laughs> but we found her Yeah, a day we, after RJ left. We live next to a storage place and Dottie, Dottie's supposed to be an inside cat, but she likes to run outside. Really, there's another cat. We had a name George, who's a whole other story. That's anyway, but Dottie got out and um, uh, she was just gone. And that really bugged me because, you know, I don't like cats, but this cat picked me. And, and so, um, and if I, I figured she was gone, like, and I kind of was ready for that and was prepared for this. Um, I just wanted to know, like, where she was, like, if I could have seen, you know, one way or the other. Um, and a month later, I pulled in the driveway with me and my daughter and all of a sudden this black cat comes out of nowhere and runs up to my daughter. I was like, oh, well, that's George. And my daughter's like, this isn't George. I'm like, who? What? And I like walked up and Dottie, it was like something out of like a Charlie Brown, you know, special, you know, like Snoopy come home, ran up, jumped into my arms, like purrs, snuggles, you know. So, yeah, and I am not ashamed to admit that, you know, crying my eyes out because, you know, you Dottie to. came home. And now now that I, like, spend most of my time here in this home office, she pretty much sits right there most of the time. Like, she just, she doesn't want to leave. So, um, Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, brother, we got, we've got uh, Justin Staley, who's a, oh. a longtime guest of the show. Hey, and Justin. He, 
he's throwing us on here. He said, man, we sure learned a lot about chickens tonight. So I promised him uh, we're going to go ahead and switch topics, uh, which yeah. brings me to it is 8.59. So I think we have a toast coming up. My brother, would you uh, would you well actually switching over to nine right now? Would you care to give our toast this evening? Sure. Um, I, in honor of our good friend, Brad Drew, uh, I am uh, drinking good old fashioned Appalachian brown liquor moonshine. So to, you know, let's see, let's give a good toast here. Um, yeah, I got one. Uh, God loves the fools who search for light from dusk till dawn and coast to coast. But of all the fools on God's green earth, he loves April fools the most. To April fools. To April fools. Cheers, brothers. And uh, thank Cheers. you so much for coming on this evening, my brother. I really appreciate you. Gladly. So have a good April night. fools, everybody. April fools, everybody. Thank you.